Well, good evening, church. I've been saying good morning wrong all evening, so good evening. Let me correct that if I said good morning to you on the way in. It's just an old habit. I just can't break it. So, um, man, I love singing those songs. That was wonderful. Hey, real quick, if you are new with us, I want to say welcome. We want to say we are thrilled that you are here with us worshiping at Providence North. If you do not have a church home, you are looking for a church home, we would love to invite you back. We worship like this, open up God's word, study uh, what it means to live for Jesus, to know him, to trust in him, and to lay our lives on top of what he calls us to. And we do that normally on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. right here. And uh, we would love to invite you to be part of that. If you have questions about what it means to connect into the family here at Providence, please do not hesitate to grab myself, grab Josh, grab Zach, any one of us. We'd love, grab Melissa. We'd love to tell you more about what it means to uh, be part of the family here that worships Jesus here at Providence. Well, Merry Christmas. What a glorious time of year, my favorite time of year. Um, I love this service. I love getting to gather together as God's people. Uh, but what I was thinking about as I was preparing for this sermon is that I think so often at Christmas time, what we tend to do, and even what I tend to do, is we focus on the what of Christmas so often rather than the why of Christmas. What do I mean by that? Well, we tend to focus on things like important things, mind you, but things like the Virgin Mother, right? We tend to focus on things like Jesus laid in a manger. We tend to think of the wise men from the east. We tend to think of shepherds in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. We tend to think of all of these different things that are true and that are good. But I think if we're not careful... We can so often just sort of camp right there in the what of Christmas, and we miss out on the why of Christmas. We can just kind of get, get caught up in the trappings of what all that happened, what all that took place that the scriptures have revealed to us that are beautiful and good, but we stop there. Christmas is so much more than just the facts and the events and the history that took place. There is a great why that happens at Christmas. And what is that? It's what motivated God to come for you and me in the midst of this, in the form of this baby, in a manger. Why did he do it this way? Why did he come? And church, the question, it was answered in the scripture that we read for Advent reading a few minutes ago, is why did Jesus come? That is the most important question. Why did Jesus come? And in fact, this scripture verse has been rattling me for the last three weeks. In fact, we, we were in it a few weeks ago, but I wanted to revisit it because it's been just sticking with me. I couldn't get past it. And it answers this great question for us of why Jesus came. I'm going to read it to us again, and then we're going to unpack some of it. Chapter Matthew chapter 1. Verses 18 through 25, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before he came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, 
and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophets. Catch this. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. He took his wife, but knew her not till she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Christmas, church, answers the ultimate question in the universe. Why did God come? Did you catch it? Why did he come? Verse 23, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. So has God forgotten us? No, he hasn't. Has God left us to just fend for ourselves in this kind of crazy world that we live in today, this divided world, this oftentimes lonely world? No, he hasn't. Has he bailed on us because we keep missing the mark? We keep stumbling and failing and falling, getting caught up in the same sin over and over and over. And does he look at us and say, done with you? No, he doesn't. Even when we never measure up, Christmas boldly declares the truth of the gospel that even in our sin, even in our failings, even in our missteps, God has come to be near to us, has come to be with us. I haven't been able to shake that for the last month. Through Jesus, through this baby, through this royal son to be born, God has come to be with us. And so the question is, what do you believe this Christmas? Do you kind of believe, well, we are all we have. Just kind of got to figure this out on my own. I got to kind of try to do my best. Or is God with you right now? I wonder which of those two beliefs you cling to this evening in your heart this Christmas. Because the Christian gospel says that in our darkest hour, in our very even deepest sin, when we are lost, God came. God came to do what we could never do for ourselves. God found that which was lost. Isn't that good news? That's the good news of Christmas. God found that which was lost. Amen? Amen. Listen to this again. Joseph Son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which was conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. It does not say that Jesus will keep you from ever becoming a sinner. The Bible doesn't say that Jesus will save you so long as you never fall into the trappings of sin, the temptation of sin. It says, Jesus, this one that has come, will save you from your sins. Jesus has come to save that which was lost. We didn't know where we were going. Jesus has come to rescue now, there's something, I think, in us, there's something in each of our hearts that um, 
loves the story of when lost things are found again. We just sort of, we love those kind of stories, don't we? We just latch on to those stories when lost things, whoa, microphone, almost took that one out. When lost things are found again. Sorry, Zach. Um, they're just, they, they sort of, they, they swell in our hearts. Because I don't know if you've ever lost something, even something as silly as like uh, our phones. When we even lose our phones and we can't, we just, I don't know what happens if I get kidnapped. I've lost my global tracking satellite nav system. No one will ever find me. We panic. We lose our minds. When we lose something that's special to us, what happens? We're disoriented. If we lose it for multiple days, we even lose sleep over it. We turn over everything in our house to find that which was lost because when something is lost, there's something in us that it's so unsettling. We cannot stand it when things that should be with us aren't with us, and it's unnerving. It drives us crazy, and we think about it, and we labor over it, and we look, and we look. In fact, when we can't find it, we even start calling our friends. Hey, do you remember when I was with you, and I had this, and then I misplaced it? Do you remember what I did with it? And they're like, no, sorry, I don't remember. Like, I don't remember that at all. Like, oh man, and we just, we, we can't stand it. And then when we find it, what happens? We rejoice. We're like, I found it. We call up our friends and we say, I can't believe I found it. I'm sorry that I nagged you for the last two weeks, but I finally found it. It was in between the cushion and the couch, or it was actually the phone was where I left it, where I always put it, but I just couldn't, you know, we have those moments, right? We love when lost things are found again. There's something in us. In fact, uh, I was thinking of this. We live on a street where it's like kind of the, the little kid paradise. There's always a kid ringing our doorbell after school. My kids are out playing. Lightsabers are being wielded right now on the street. Christmas break is in full effect. They're uh, backflipping in the front yards. They're going in and out of our houses. And all of, it's just commotion and chaos. And it's like they're having the time of their lives. It's Christmas break, right? And so there's just always a lot of uh, activity happening on our streets and in our house. And I remember Ash and I were cooking dinner. Uh, this was a few days ago. And uh, one evening, and all of a sudden, it gets really quiet. And our three kids are out playing, and there's no more doorbells ringing. And we kind of look at each other, and a panic sort of sets in. And we're like, it's too quiet. What's going on here? And you might think to yourself, well, Sean, it's okay to have a few minutes of quiet and just relax. Well, the reason why we don't usually experience prolonged uh, times of quiet is because not only do we have three older kids that are sort of running amok in the streets, playing Star Wars and all the things they do, we also have a two-year-old. And things are not very quiet for very long with a two-year-old. And she's always kind of there and around. But all of a sudden, we look up from cooking dinner and we're like, where's Ruthie? It's quiet, and you have that panic moment. <gasps> have we lost Ruthie? There she is. She laughed. <laughs> Get a lifetime of sermon illustrations, girl. You know? Yep. And we panic. We're like, where is Ruthie? And, I, and Ashley, oh, she's right there. Yeah. I kind of forgot she was going to be in here when I was planning this. She's right there, and this is perfect, because I was... Ashley starts running down the street screaming, Ruthie, Ruthie. She announces to the neighbor kids, we can't find Ruthie. And all the neighbor kids are screaming for Ruthie. They're running around the cul-de-sac looking for her. I'm looking for her. And finally it dawns on me. I'm like, maybe she's still inside. (laughs) 
and I turn around and go back inside, and I'm calling for her. Ruthie, where are you? And she did that. That was perfect. Well done. We didn't even practice that. And up in her room, she calls out, I'm right here, Dad. And it, was, it felt like an eternity that we couldn't find her. We were panicked. We, could, we were like, what are we going to do? And then all of a sudden, we hear that sweet little voice, I'm right here, Daddy. And what do we do? Rejoicing. We run outside. I go, I found her. I was like a hero, right? I didn't do anything. She was like inside. I did it. I was like, I found her. And all the kids that were looking for her started cheering in the streets. Yes, we found her. Praise the Lord. When we lose something, it sets this panic in us. But when it's found, rejoicing sets in. Rejoicing sets in. There's an impulse, that same impulse, to seek that which is lost and bring it home is also in the very heart of God. That same impulse that we have when something is lost and not right, where we're panicked and we're wondering, that disorientation that we feel, that is in the very heart of God, that God himself says, you know what? When things that are lost, that are mine, I am going to make sure they're found again. And I'm going to go to great lengths to get them. That's in the very heart of God. And that's what makes Christmas so amazing. Because Christmas set that all in motion. Christmas set the finding of that which was lost to be found again in God himself in motion. Through Christ Jesus our Lord. Listen to this parable that Jesus himself tells us later on in his ministry, Luke 15. It'll be up on the screen. He tells him this parable to his, to his disciples. He said, what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he's found it, Listen to this, just like us. He lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me. I found my sheep that was lost. I found him. Do you know what that means? Christmas means that God is with us at that level. That God enters into our world. He walks among us. He looks at us in the eye how we truly are, even when we wander off and we don't tell anyone. And yet even when we're lost, he comes after us. That's Christmas. God with us. God seeking and saving that which was far off, bringing them near in Christ and saying, I'm with you. I have not forgotten you. Rejoicing over you because that which was lost is now found in Christ. And so, how does He find us here in 2019? A lot of us, if you've grown up in the church, or maybe you kind of have a religious sort of a lens, we kind of, we default into thinking like this. We're like, well, okay, well, if He's going to find me, well, then I just got to be really good. I got to be perfect. I've got to measure up. I've got to uh, do it all right. I've got to be righteous. 
I've got to do it perfectly. That's not how he finds you. The gospel says that God has come down to us to find us. God says, the gospel says that when you were lost and wandering, God and his perfection came to you. Not when you were perfect, not when you were measuring up, not when you got it all right, that he came down. God with us in our greatest time of need, right when we needed him the most, he shows up. The wonderful thing about this good news is that we didn't have to talk God into it. We didn't have to convince him. God, you come down and get me. I'm, I'm worth getting. Come on. I'm, a, I'm good. I've got this. That idea was just in God. It's who he is. He seeks and saves that which is lost. And so no matter what we're facing, we have God with us. It's not a calculation. It's just who he is in Jesus. He's standing with us. He's advocating for us. That's God. He goes before you. In fact, from cover to cover, the Bible talks about this idea. I haven't been able to shake this in a few weeks. That God is with you. This isn't just an isolated event. This is in the character of God that he's come to be with us. Listen to this. It's all over the place. In the entire Bible, Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, God says this, I will be with you and bless you. Genesis 28, I am with you and I will keep you wherever you go. Joshua 1.9, do not be frightened, do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you. Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Psalm 46, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Isaiah 41, fear not, I'm with you. Deuteronomy 31, be strong and courageous, do not fear. The Lord God goes to be with you. Matthew 28, Jesus looks at us and says, behold, I'm with you always, even to the very end of the age. Hebrews 13, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. In fact, this idea that God is with us and how the, is how the entire Bible concludes. Listen to this. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with men. He will dwell with them. They will be his people. He will be their God, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. He is a pursuing God. He is a God who is with you in our greatest time of need. The message of the Bible is that God drew near to us in Jesus. He came near to win our hearts, to draw him to himself. And so when you hear that name, Emmanuel, the name we sung about, the name that's in the scriptures, it means if you feel lost, if you feel alone, if you feel unworthy, it means that God is running toward you. God is not leaving you to fend for yourself. He's not saying, look, you're on your own now. I did my part. It's time for you to figure it out. Christmas proves that God is going with you into what you face. And here's the, here's the other great thing. Jesus didn't just come to be our example because we can never measure up to that. We can never do what he did. He came to be our defender. He came to be near us. He came to be with us when we had no shield. In fact, he came to take the sting of death away from us by dying on the cross for us in our place. And in return, he gives us life and righteousness. God with us at such a profound level that he laid his life down for us that we might live. 
That's the message of Christmas. The Bible sees Christmas not as just a perfect day with all the right trappings, with all the right presents, where everything is just right. Christmas is God coming and entering into our brokenness, into our need, our weakness, our fears, our pain, even our uncertainty. And entering in that place and saying, I'm with you. I've not forgotten you. See, every other religion says something like this. I've found a way to get to God. He's up here on this mountain. And if you, tr- if you travel this path and you do it really well, you do it really righteously, you do it in the right way, in the right order, in the right fashion, uh, you can reach God one day. You could, you could reach him if you just worked hard enough to do it because he's way up there and you're way down here at the bottom of the mountain and you've got to get to him. So if you just do all this stuff, you might one day reach him and he might look at you and say, good job, you made it up to me. Well, the gospel tells us that God looked down at us and said, there's no way they can make it up. I'm coming down for them. I'm coming down and doing what they could never do. I'm sending my very own son. And he's going to do the work that they can never do on their own so that they could be with me forever. That's Christmas. God coming and finding that which was lost and didn't know the way and couldn't get there and making a way for us where there was not one. God with us. God with us. God The most formidable being in the entire universe is with us. He reaches out to you even today, this Christmas. He's ready to serve. He's ready to save by his grace for his glory. We have this almighty God with us through Jesus Christ, even when we don't deserve him and especially when we don't deserve him. So this Christmas, I want us to cling to this. We need to correct our small thoughts of God this Christmas. Our very small thoughts of God. We think, God can't handle this. God is, he's big, he's mighty, he's eternal, he's unchangeable. He's full of wisdom and power and holiness and justice and goodness and truth. That's God. That's who's with you. Look at all the names of God in the Bible. Yahweh, the one who is near and involved, El Shaddai, the Almighty, El Elyon, the Most High, Adonai, Master, Jehovah Nassai, my banner, Jehovah Raha, my shepherd, Jehovah Rapa, the Lord that heals, Elohim, the everlasting God, Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is my peace, Jehovah Sabbath, the Lord of armies. That God is with us. Think of all the images in the Bible we have of God. King, shepherd, warrior, rock, refuge, shield, father, maker, judge, lawgiver, comforter, savior, lion, and lamb. Plus more, that God is with you. Amen? Think of all the attributes of God. We're almost done here. Living, powerful, just, merciful, pure, honest, faithful, joyful. He's the happiest thing in the entire world. Why would you not want to be near him? Patience. I've been testing the patience of God since 81, and he's still with me. He's rich, sovereign, king, and above all, loving. That's who's with us. 
So let's put away our small little view of God this Christmas and say, yes, he came in humility as a baby, but God is bigger than we've ever bargained for. He can handle more than we have ever thought of or dreamed or imagined. He's all of those things and more. The question this Christmas is, will we let him be all that he is for us? So how do we do that? We just say this Christmas, God, I'm, I'm a mess. I don't have it all together. I haven't figured out a way, but thank you that you have come to seek and save that which is lost. Will you come and make me your mess? And by your grace, by your spirit, by your love, will you come and invade the places of my heart that I need you the most? And Lord, I want to live for you, and I know that you can do that. Let's let that sink in this Christmas. He's not just with good people and saintly people and right people. He's with us. Even the ones that don't have it all together, that's the good news of Christmas. That's the good news of Christmas. He doesn't hold back on you. He gives grace and life and peace and hope everlasting. And he couldn't love you any less in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the good news of Christmas. Thank you that, Lord, you've come to be near to us when we didn't deserve it. Lord, thank you that you are with us. Lord, I pray for the one in here, even this evening, God, that is running from you, running the opposite way. God, I just pray that you would continue to pursue and seek and save the undeserving like you did with me many years ago. Lord, thank you that we don't have to have you figured out or Christianity figured out or life figured out, but you and your goodness and mercy bring life and hope and healing and grace because of a boy that was born 2,000 years ago. Lord, I pray that we might just turn to you this evening with our empty hands of faith and say, God, I need you this Christmas. I need you this week. I need you this year. I need you forevermore. Would you come and lead and guide me as only you can? Would you come and love and correct places that don't line up with you, God, because I need you. I don't know the way, but thank you that you do, and I want to follow close behind you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and worship in church.